This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 353, recorded on the evening of Monday, December the 4th, 2017. Jason, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I am still sick, but well. Otherwise, <laughs> how about yourself, Christopher? You're still sick, but well, but getting better, I hope. Getting better. You know, it, um, everything's on an uptick, so we're, uh, we're doing good. That's good. That's very, very exciting. I'm glad to hear it. I'm doing okay. Uh, I don't know. Consider All things considered, things are going well. Had a busy weekend. <laughs> uh, put up the Christmas tree, put up the lights, inflated my nine-foot inflatable snowman, so everything is a-okay here. Oh, good. You know, that reminds me, uh, I, I read somewhere the other day that in the 70s, early 70s, uh, the Canadian government put out a poll uh, to fill it, for Canadians to fill in the blank. As Canadian as dot, dot, dot. And then other Canadians would put fill in the blanks and then vote on the most popular responses. Uh-huh. The most popular response they got was as Canadian as possible under the circumstances. <laughs> and I think that's absolutely hilarious. Anyway, so what you said reminded me of that. That's pretty funny. I was as Canadian as possible under the circumstances. Exactly. This weekend. You know, I didn't put on my snowshoes or ride my dog sled anywhere, but I, I'll be doing that next week probably. Yeah, if it uh, if it gets below 10 degrees Celsius, which is what it was at today. I know, it's weirdly warm. Anyhow, we're not here to talk about being Canadian, although we might do that some other time, and we may have done it in the past, but uh, not tonight. Not tonight. We are here, of course, to talk about Season 8, Episode 7 of The Walking Dead. Uh, first, a couple of things, though. I do want to mention that at the end of the show, I'll have a little update on the Amazon situation. Uh, I don't want to bore everyone with that right now, but for those that are interested, stay tuned at the end to hear about what's going on there. And before we get into it, I want to just remind people about our Season 8 Record Your Favorite Scene contest. And I'm going to play an entry this time. Cool. This uh, is a sort of a long one. It's about two and a half minutes long. So if you're really not into hearing this, uh, skip ahead about two and a half minutes. But I highly recommend you stick around and listen. This, uh, there's a little bit of confusion on my end as to who this is from. Um, the email came from somebody named Chris. In the body of the email, it said Julia and Heather. And on the audio file, it said Rennie and Julia. So I'm not 100% sure who's, who's, who this is. So if you sent it, please uh, write in and clarify exactly who y'all are. <laughs> yeah, sounds confusing. <laughs> I'd like to know. But let's just say for now, Julia and Heather, record your favorite scene contest entry. Where's Herschel? He doesn't want to find out yet. It's a family affair. We'll let them work it out. That's working it out? When Beth stops fighting, that's when it's time to worry. You are being so selfish. This could have been handled better. How so? You shouldn't have taken the knife away. Excuse me? You were wrong. Like Dale taking my gun. That wasn't your decision. She has to choose to live on her own. She has to find her own reasons. Want me to tie a noose for her? If she's serious, she'll figure out a way. Doesn't mean I can't stop her or let her know that I care. That has nothing to do with it, Lori. She only has so many choices in front of her, 
and she believes the best one is suicide. That's not an option. Of course it is. She doesn't need to be yelled at or treated like a child. She needs a loaded gun, right? You'll understand if I don't send you in there. I came through it. And became such a productive member of the group. Let Maggie handle this her way. I contribute. I help keep this place safe. The men can handle this on their own. They don't need your help. I'm sorry. What would you have me do? Oh, there's plenty of work to go around. Are you serious? Everything falls apart. You're in my face over skipping laundry. Puts a burden on the rest of us, on me and Carol and Patricia and Maggie. Cooking and cleaning and caring for Beth and you. You don't care about anyone but yourself. You sit up on that RV working on your tan with a shotgun in your lap. No, I'm on watch against walkers. That's what matters, not fresh mint leaves in the lemonade. We are providing stability. We are trying to create a life worth living. Are you kidding me? For your information, that's a rifle I hold on my lap, not a shotgun. I'm the best shot of anybody with that rifle. I can make a headshot at a hundred yards and keep those walkers far away from us. You should be glad I'm sitting up there keeping guard. God damn it, Lori, you have to give up the patriarchy now. I know you think it worked well for you and Carol and Maggie, but it didn't, and now the apocalypse has swept it away, and we all have a chance to really make a better world, to become fighters or leaders or wherever our talents take us. We can't afford to waste any of the human capital we've got. If I'm the one with the sniper skills, then we all need me to be the one on keeping guard. So stop with your backward sexist outlook, because the dead don't give a shit about gender roles. Good stuff. Thank you so much for that. The email reminds us that that is a conversation between Lori and Andrea way back from 18 miles out. And uh, they say it took place in an alternate feminist universe. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so good stuff. We don't get too many entries that involve more than one person. So that was great to hear. And it's just a, one example of the kind of thing we're looking for. So if you want to do one, pick a scene, record it any way you want, and uh, fire it off to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. And maybe you'll hear yourself on the show as the season goes on. Cool. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good. All right. Uh, let's jump into the episode. And we've got a few title reads again. And uh, I'm going to do what I did last week and sprinkle them in as we go through the episode. I kind of liked that. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic, Chris. It was a great idea. Good work. Uh, you are the man. <laughs> you don't have to go overboard, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Do whatever. All right. Well, here we go. Here is the first one. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Ian from Countess Thorpe in the UK. Not to be outdone by my daughter, Issa, from last week, I'd like to do my own title read this week. Uh, with many apologies to the British mod band Secret Affair, here we go. This is the time, time for after. This is the time, time to be seen. This is the time for after, the time to be seen. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you, Ian. And I think I forgot to mention his daughter Issa's name last week when I played her read, so I apologize for that. But she got her name on there this week, and that was her dad, Ian. Ian cleared it, cleared it up, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, he did. So all my failings are are overlooked at this point, I hope. Except by you. Except by me. 
All right, let's jump into the episode, Jason. Cold open. We pick up right where Rick, uh, where, right where we left off last week with Rick inside the storage container. He's in there. He's all sweaty, mostly naked, and the door opens. Jadis is there, along with two guards and another scavenger, scavenger who appears to be writing or drawing something on a large pad of paper. He's sketching, obviously. Yeah, they're the, artists, they, right? <laughs> I guess so. That's. I'm just surprised he was wearing clothes. I know. Frankly. Well, he, he was clothed doing art this time, unlike the week before. Um, so they pull Rick out and Rick says his offer still stands. And in a very Luke Skywalker-ish line, he says, you can join us or you can die. Yeah, that, that was fun. Now that's Luke talking to Jabba the Hutt, right? Yeah, Jabba. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, he's a prisoner in front of Jabba and says, uh, uh, you know, let him go or I'm going to kill you. Yeah. You can join us or you can die. I liked it. Pretty, pretty cocky. Very, very cocky for a man standing there in his underwear. Yeah. Even after Han said two uh, movies before, don't get cocky. <laughs> don't get cocky, kid. He got cocky anyway. He did. But you know what? He backed it up. I think. Oh yeah, he totally backed it up. He killed that, uh, the monster and what was the name of the monster? Well, he killed the Sarlacc pit. Sarlacc. No, that was not the Sarlacc. Oh, the, the Rancor. The, uh, the, the Rancor, that's right. Yes. Yeah, he killed the Rancor with, uh, with a bone. Yeah. And, uh, in his own cunning. Anyway, let's not talk about Star Wars. So Rick does the same thing and I assume that, uh, well, he, you know, later on we have a parallel of what happens next. So he's totally Luke Skywalker in this episode. He really is. And um, Jadis is, uh, Jadis the Hutt, I guess. I like that, Jadis the Hutt. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jadis is standing there while Rick is talking and she's taking pictures of him, to which Rick inquires why the pictures, and she says, so we can sculpt you after. And she yeah. makes him turn around, picture from the front, picture from the back, and Rick says, after what? And Jadis just says, after, again. Yeah. But the real question here is, why does she need a flash? Well, so I know. She's in the middle of the day, it's probably plenty of light. The flash, the bulb is not so bright that it's going to traverse the distance between her and Rick. That light bulb was, uh, the flash bulbs were completely irrelevant and just for show, I guess. I think, you know, she was using the camera equipment that she had and that's, you know, that's, it's probably in limited supply. So she may she, know, have known the bulbs were not doing anything, but used them anyways. Effective. Not Effective. Well, if not effective for photography, effective for intimidation. I guess so. Maybe flashing light in your eyes. Yeah. Well, we go to the opening credits, so quick cold open this week. And when we come back, we are with Eugene in his room and he's pacing around thinking about how to solve the sanctuary zombie problem, or so I thought. Um, but what I think he's actually doing is trying to keep his story straight because he's, he takes a notebook and he writes down three columns or three head, headings in the notebook. They are what I know, what I know I don't know, and things I am unaware of wholly. <laughs> yeah. Which is the, you know, the things I know, what are the known unknowns and the unknown unknown unknowns. Right. But See, I think, I thought he was like pacing around going, what am I going to do? Negan said, I had to fix this. I need to come up with some ideas. But I think what he's really doing is just being like, okay, I have a bunch of information here and I need to keep my story straight, or I'm going to blurt something out and get myself and probably other people in trouble. So he's not even trying to solve the zombie problem at this point. He's just trying to cover his own ass. Yeah. Which, you know, he's fairly good at. 
So he, he'll be fine. He is good at, but I guess, you know, writing things down like this is one of those things that someone's going to stumble across his pad at some point while, you know, cleaning his room or something like that and get him in trouble anyways. But we don't yeah. see him write anything else, just the three headers. Right. Now he goes to see Dwight and he tells Dwight uh, that he knows he's the traitor and he's working with Ock which is, is his acronym for Alexandria Hilltop and Kingdom. <laughs> right, which makes sense. <laughs> which kind of does make sense. And I'll, I must be honest with you, I've always kind of struggled with what to call them, you know, and we've got, we, we've done things like Our Heroes, Team Rick, stuff like that, but you want to encompass everybody. So I think maybe Eugene solved that problem for us and he called them Auk, A-H-K. He is a smart guy. He really is. He really yeah. is. Well, Eugene asks Dwight to cease and, cease and desist and says that if he does, he won't tell Negan about, you know, Dwight's, uh, tra traitorous ways. Excapades. Yeah. And Dwight kind of tries to intimidate Eugene, grabs him by the collar, sits him down and explains that the saviors and Negan are finished. His reasoning is that the food and water's running low, the workers are scared, so this place is going down, and Dwight says that all Eugene has to do is sit and wait and do nothing, and, you know, he'll be, this place will fall, and he'll be back with his old friends in no time, or on right. his own. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't feel like he can go back, and he definitely doesn't want to be on his own. Right, so he's trying, again, to save his own ass, and I guess he sees the best way to do that is to keep the sanctuary up and running. Uh, but Dwight also tells Eugene that he doesn't have blood on his hands yet from doing any of the terrible things that they do here, like ironing people's faces and things like that. But if time goes on, he definitely will. He'll get into some bad things and probably won't feel too good about himself after that. And Eugene, you know, goes to leave and he says that, sure, this place isn't perfect, but we do save people. So it's our first sign, maybe not our, our first sign this episode, maybe not overall, that you know, Eugene is still pretty firmly on, uh, pretty firmly Negan on team Negan. Yep. Because he sees what they're doing as saving people and helping them. So, uh, which I'm glad of, I don't want him to whiffle waffle or to, uh, backslide, uh, at all. I want him to be firmly in team Negan. Yeah. And we can talk about that as the episode goes on a little bit, uh, because I think for the most part he is, but there's one or two things here and there that, make me doubt, you know, his absolute 100% dedication to Negan, but we'll get into it. Uh, Dwight goes to, uh, not Dwight, Eugene goes to a door just inside where the horde of zombies is, and Laura is there, having just put a, a board across the door, and she tells him that she thinks they only have a day, maybe two. And I guess she means until the walkers break in, or until they run out of food and water, day, maybe two. I don't know. Maybe she's just being pessimistic. She's like, that ain't going to hold. That's just <laughs> going to be two days tops. This piece of wood we just put here, two days it's gone. So you better get yeah. ready for that. You know, in my experience, uh, somebody who says something like that is uh, being pessimistic in order to push their own agenda of some kind. So she uh, has a plan and she's is trying to push that plan. And by saying this will only last two days, she's probably. Uh, advocating that plan. Yeah, I guess Nobody's so. ever genuine about that kind of thing. Ah, it's going to hold for two days, you know, two days, four days, six days, whatever. You know, people say things like that, but if she's saying two days max, 
It makes me think that she's trying to push an agenda of some kind. Maybe, but I don't think she's a big enough character to have an agenda on the show. So I think she's just wow. trying to say, we got about two days left in here until things really go bad. Either either the workers really up, you know, mount an uprising against us or we're out of food or we're out of water. And that's when things are going to get really hairy. Maybe it's just everybody else I know that says things like that are pushing an agenda. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Everyone you know has an agenda against you. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily against me, but they got their own damn agendas. Sure. That's for course. sure. Well, we cut again and Eugene's walking through the sanctuary somewhere and Dr. Carson calls him uh, from a doorway. Eugene goes inside and there's Father Gabe resting and... Dr. Carson says that he has multiple infections that are attacking his organs, and before long, uh, one of them is going to fail, which is really bad news because you need your organs. Can you really distinguish that somebody has multiple infections? I wondered that myself. I don't really know. You, you probably can, at least different. I'm sure there are different classifications of infection in the medical uh, industry or yeah. medical profession, I should say. I, I don't know, but like... I would say you can you can have an eye infection and you could have a toenail infection and those are different things. Oh yeah, that's true. So you would have multiple infections. Correct. Okay, so Jasper has uh, multiple infections. Okay, no, I get it. I got it. He's got ear and pink eye, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> I don't like calling it pink eye, but it's pink eye. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's getting better. Oh yeah, much better. No more pus or anything, just eye drops that he absolutely hates. But yeah, okay, so I get it. He's got multiple infections. Right. But in this case, they're attacking his organs, which is not and not the case for Jasper, thankfully. So uh Dr. Father Gabe is in much worse condition. Oh yeah, he's in he's he's not only has multiple infections, he's infected, most likely. Well, he he's definitely in a life threatening situation here. Well, he he ate the gormaflage, right? That's how he got sick. Stop eating the gore, man. That's Simple well, yeah, as that. I mean, just in general, as a general rule, you got to cook that gore before you eat it, right? Because <laughs> there's going to be bacteria in there. Well done. When you're, yeah. when you're making well a gore sandwich, gore always into stew. Always well done. <laughs> always well done. I'm going to call, every time I have stew from now on, I'm going to call it cooked gore. Perfect. That's going to make my wife very happy. Invite your uh, in-laws over and tell them you're having <laughs> cooked gore for dinner. Cooked chicken gore. All right. <laughs> nice. Uh, so Dr. Carson needs medicine and he asks Eugene to watch father over, watch over father Gabe while he goes to see what they have. And Eugene also says that he thinks this is partly Gabe's own fault as in he never should have been part of the attack on the sanctuary. Yeah. I mean, you can trace blame back to anybody for anything, right? It's his own fault that he got out of bed that morning of the apocalypse and didn't die. Well, yeah, you can trace it back as far as you want. But I mean, this is Eugene just trying to make himself feel a little better because he knows yeah. he's he's essentially a traitor and he left these people who were his friends. But he does throughout this episode a couple of times call them traveling companions, not friends. Right. So all of those sorts of things are just his way, I think, of trying to make himself feel better for abandoning them or, or you know... He he was I, abandoning might not be exactly the right word because Negan kind of kidnapped him, but you know, f making himself feel better for actively working against them in some ways. Right, right. So Doctor Carson leaves. Father Gabe kind of coughs himself awake, and Eugene says he looks like a potato and shit casserole. And I think that was just <laughs> unnecessarily mean, don't you? 
Well, yeah, but it's his own fault. So, you know, whatever. I guess so. But does he have to stand there and insult the guy while he's dying? You know, rub salt in that wound. Uh, but he sits down, Eugene, and he gives uh, Father Gabe a drink of water. And uh, he uh, asks about getting the doctor out. Father Gabe, I mean, Eugene says there's no way with all the walkers around. And even if there was a way, he won't do it. So Father Gabe sort of gives him a bit of a religious speech and says that God is inside all of them and has a plan for them, to which Eugene calls this absurd. <laughs> not a not a religious man, I don't think. I guess not. And then Gabe says, with I think probably my favorite bit of dialogue in the episode, he says that, is it absurd? You're a man of science, but you woke up one day and the dead were walking around. Is that so absurd? Or, or he says that you would have said that was absurd, absurd at one time too. And, uh, Gabe says that Eugene will know what the right thing to do is when the time comes. But, uh, I just like that little bit of, uh, you know, logic dropped on, uh, yep. on, on him there by father Gabe. Yeah. He would have, you know, if he was up and running, he would have, uh, you know, just dropped the mic and walked out. He would have, that was his moment. It was a complete turnaround of the whole conversation so and you could see it on eugene's face too you know he's a smart enough guy to know okay fair enough i think something is absurd but you caught me on something else that i would have thought was absurd but now obviously isn't so yeah good stuff uh commercial break and when we come back we are with morgan and he's watching the sanctuary through the scope of a rifle Somebody comes on the radio and says that he saw a truck coming in. So Morgan goes to check it out by looking out a different section of wherever he's hiding in a building. And he sees Daryl driving up in the garbage truck. Good. So, finally, uh, yeah, Morgan is scoping out the sanctuary and he sees Daryl approaching with, I guess, everybody else in the truck too. And they are there to uh, execute their plan. And these are the, uh, the unprotected buildings that are right across the street from the sanctuary. Yeah, that's right. Now, okay. to be fair, the sanctuary, no one can get in or out because it's surrounded by walkers. Now, but before, yeah, uh, when, uh, it was Sasha and, uh, what's her name? Sasha. Well, I mean, Daryl went there before and, or even yeah. when they led the walkers there, like they just... Drove up and no one saw them coming. Yeah, which is completely ridiculous. But whatever. I mean, we got a a sniper perch uh, right across the street, you know, 14 feet away from what he needs to shoot at. Well, we do now anyways, but you're right. That's what he's doing. We cut back to Eugene in his room and Tanya. Do you remember Tanya, one of Negan's wives? I do. She comes in and she asks if Eugene has finished fixing her boombox, her stereo, And, uh, she was going to pay him two bottles of wine, one up front and one bottle when he was finished the work. Eugene decides that he wants the second bottle now, even though he hasn't finished the job because apparently he started drinking heavily so he can sleep. Yeah. Smart. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) I find if I drink heavily, I sleep way worse, (laughs) you know, than, uh, at my age anyways. So I don't know. I guess it's different. Well, he's for got a mullet. So, you know, he's got some kind of Samson thing going on. Uh, so I'm sure that drinking helps him. Maybe. I guess so. Uh, now Tanya reminds Eugene that they asked him for help killing Negan with those poison pills, but he didn't do it. And she says that he could have made this place very different if he had just gone with their plan. Uh, and she says that he has to live with that now, but she gives him the bottle of wine anyways. So that's evidence that uh, they actually wanted 
Negan to die, right? Remember there was some theories uh, floating around that it was a test of, uh, of oh, Eugene. Right, right. It was a test to see if he would actually go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. But then he kept the pills. So that was one piece of evidence that uh, Negan didn't know about it. And this is another one. So I think they were actually trying to kill him. They actually were. And, and if Eugene had Eugene just trusted them. Out. Yeah. If he trusted them, um, we'd be in a very different situation right now. Yeah. the show, We wouldn't need the show anymore. Everything would be happy. They'd all be, uh, you know, the uh, the Ka or what is it? Ak? The Ak. Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. They would be, uh, you know, happy, happy trading partners and uh, the world would be wonderful. Well, something They'd eventually else. link up their, uh, their walls so that they would have this massively, uh, you know, walled in community where the zombies would never come. Or something else would go wrong and it would be just as horrible. Yeah. There's also life has taught me anything. (laughs) Yeah. There's also that possibility. Yeah. Uh, so as Tanya is leaving though, Laura is there, uh, the one from the door earlier. And she says that Negan wants to see him. So he's in trouble maybe. Yeah. He's got to go to the principal's office. I'm surprised Negan didn't go to uh, Eugene's room, frankly. Why he said, but they have this new set where, uh, you know, Negan gets to bang Lucille on a table. So they want to, you know, make use of it. So I guess. Yeah. Well, that's, that's his office, man. Like that's where he does all his hanging out and work during the day. So people well, come he to went him. to see Eugene in his room before. Yeah, maybe. I guess, I guess he's decided to use the office more. It's more intimidating. Yeah. Well, I, that must be it. We cut over to Daryl, Tara, Rosita and Michonne outside the sanctuary talking about their plan which is to crash the truck into the wall and make a hole for the walkers to get in. Uh, Daryl says that the workers are on the other side of the building, so they'll make it out safely. And Tara says there were no more weapons at the Savior's warehouse, so they have to work with what they have. What she's saying is we don't have another rocket to blow a hole in the side. We got to use a garbage truck instead. So, So, okay, so the plan is to drive a garbage truck Straight into a building. Into a concrete building, yes. Yeah, okay. So wouldn't that put them inside the building? Uh, well, I mean, you saw how it played played out. Daryl put a rock or put a cinder block on the gas pedal and jumped out. So nobody was in the right. garbage truck. Yeah, I don't know if that'll ever work. Well, I have some problems with the plan, which... Uh, and just all of this in general, which, which we can talk about. Um, they could, they could back the garbage truck into the building. Wouldn't that make more use of the massive steel thing on the back of the vehicle? It might, it might. Uh, my, my biggest problem is just that they drive the garbage truck into the wall. I mean, it's a, it looks like a pretty solid concrete wall. So you'd have to hit it awfully hard, even with a garbage truck to go right through it. I think anyways, now let's just say they did. Well, they obviously did as we'll get to, but it didn't look like there was a hole big enough to let that many zombies in all at once. It was kind of like the garbage truck just hits the wall, gets wedged in there. And really there's no room for a human being to squeeze through. Right. So it plugs its own hole. It plugs its own hole. Right. Yeah. I would have been okay had the garbage truck hit the wall and just kept going and like left a garbage truck size hole in the wall. Uh, But it did not. It stopped. And then suddenly there were dozens of zombies inside the place. Uh, But, you know, that's, 
coming up in a minute, but I think the whole, again, the whole, just the way it played out was kind of dumb uh, and didn't really make a lot of sense, but. Right. Um, It's like when you get an arrow in, in your lung, like if you had hit in the chest with an arrow and it goes into your lung, you don't pull the arrow out because it's plugging its own hole. Right. Because then you have a hole in your lung with the arrow there. You might survive a little longer. You would survive a little bit longer. I'd still get your ass to a hospital as fast as you possibly can because mm-hmm. that golden hour is, you know, ticking away slowly but surely. Uh, and that's why you see in like uh, in Western movies when they get arrows stuck in them that they break the arrow off, but they don't pull it out because right. pulling it out is just going to rip a hole and it's going to make this this sucking chest wound. Uh, you know what a sucking chest wound is, Chris? I sure do. All right. So, you, you know, you get the sucking chest wound, which is... Uh, Really, you know, we get the pink frothy bubbles and then the guy's lung collapses and he can't breathe, right? So you just leave the arrow in there until you can get to a medical professional. It's the same thing with the garbage truck. If you plow into the, uh, into the, uh, the vehicle or into the building, you have to have a person in the cab to at least try and back the thing out because then it's going to make a bigger hole that uh, is going to, in, in this case, bleed zombies into the building. Right. And I, that's why I would have been okay if the garbage truck had just gone into the wall and gone straight through into the inside of the building. Yeah. Um, you and that's why you back into the building because it's the same thing as a crash up derby. You, you remember crash up derbies? Yeah, sure. They always go backwards because you don't want to wreck the engines when you plow into somebody. You back the trunk into another vehicle, do more damage to the other vehicle, and you are still capable of moving. So... You know, you back the truck in, you smash the wall down. If that doesn't work, you drive out and then you bad turn, put it in reverse and back it in again. I guess Daryl didn't watch any smash up derbies when he was a kid. Or uh, any movies where they tried to, uh, you know, medieval movies where they try and bash down doors. Because they do the same thing. You go bash. Didn't you watch uh, Lord of the Rings? They even did that in Lord of the Rings. I have seen Lord of the Rings. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> See, and you, you bash into the the thing. Anyway. You just siege mentality. You gotta, you have to, you have to work with what you got, Yep. but you don't just drive into the building because you know, all the zombies are going to stop the truck and it's going to tap up against the wall. And then you lost your truck and your plan. And you're, yeah, that's right. And you got nothing left. But anyways, that is the plan. They're standing around talking about it. And then Morgan shows up because <laughs> I guess he saw them coming. So he teleported down from his perch and there he is. Oh, I'm sure he used the stairs. Oh, probably. I'm sorry. Not the elevator, though. Uh, no, That'd no, be no, crazy. No. And he says that he'll support them and the other snipers that are around. So it's not just him. There are other snipers. And Rosita and Michonne are skeptical about the whole thing. Tara tries to convince them by saying that she could have done something sooner to end this, but she waited. And what she's referring to is knowing about the weapons at Oceanside and then not saying anything about them. Uh, and in the end, Rosita isn't convinced and she says that she's out and she leaves, but Michonne, for now, is still on board. Good. Rosita's whole thing is that uh, she wants to just keep going with the plan that Rick outlined, and she says she believes in Rick Grimes. That's right? good. So she's still uh, with Rick. If, they, if his name was Harvey Dent, this would make more sense. I believe in Harvey Dent. I believe in Harvey Dent. Yeah, there you go. We go back to Negan at his meeting table. Eugene comes in and sits down and Negan says that if things don't get fixed soon, a lot of people are going to die. Now, Negan compliments Eugene on on his intelligence and Eugene just reaffirms to Negan that he is definitely on his side. 
<laughs> now Negan's standing up at this point. He reaches his hand out and Eugene goes to kiss it because he's sitting down in front of him. But Negan retracts and says, no, no, man, I was going for a handshake. <laughs> okay. So there's three things here I want to talk about. All right. Thing the first. Uh, one is uh, you, uh, Negan calls Eugene's mullet magnificent or beautiful or glorious or something. What was yeah. the line? I'm trying to... Uh, uh, think of it. And then, so that's nice to hear that, uh, you know, that, that gray squishy matter between your eyes and your magnificent mullet, uh-huh. it's strong. You know, you got a good brain there, yep. you know, and I love your mullet. Okay. So good. So they're all on board. And then the way Eugene says that they're on the same page, like, uh, it was very awkward and it was just, it was an even a little too much for, for, uh, for me coming out of Eugene's mouth. I'm trying to find the exact line uh, while watching it with the captions on, but he's like saying, saying something like you and me are on, are you and me the page that we're on is the same exact same and proper page. It's just, it was like so awkwardly phrased Mm -hmm. that it was, uh, it was annoying. It's a common phrase. We're on the same page. Yep. Fucking use it, Eugene. Jesus Christ. Dude. It's like he's trying to be obtuse. Eugene doesn't say anything the way people commonly do. And I think they went way, way overboard this episode with it. And it really, really bugged me the way Eugene delivered every one of his lines. Now, we haven't seen Eugene very much this season. And almost throughout the show, we've had Eugene in in small doses. And maybe that's why kind of his way of speaking hasn't been that annoying but when you put an episode that really focuses on him and then you amp up the eugeneness of it all yeah it just became stupid to me and i couldn't deal with it anymore so i can i can tolerate eugene and i actually kind of enjoy his eugene isms when he is making up phrases to make a point right he's making up his own idioms Right. Which yeah. I find kind of endearing and nice. But when there's already an idiom or a phrase that exists, like we're on the same page, I found the line, by the way, uh, and he chooses to use uh, the line, our pages are utterly and completely one and the same. Like, come on. Yeah. No one would say that. No, it's because it's already a phrase. Yep. Right. Yep. Use it. He knows it's a phrase. You, you know, he's just being, I blame the character in this case. I don't know. Right? Not the writers necessarily. I think that Eugene is being too Eugene here. Yeah, but who makes him too Eugene? I mean, it's I I, I feel like they they don't know when to to hold back sometimes. They don't know when to hold back with Negan most of the time. I mean, the there have been moments where I feel like Negan has been restrained a little bit, and that's great. Uh but more often than not they they see these character traits or they invent these character traits in some of the characters and we're like, we're going to turn this up to 11. You know, this character is going to be 100% wacky like this. It's the same with Jadis too. Yeah, it um, is. And, and they just don't seem to be able to have any restraint when they latch on to something that they think is really cool. And, and I do think, I do like Eugene. There was a time when I said Eugene was my favorite character because of how unusual he was but then when you just turn it up to 11 and he it goes from being unusual to being stupid and you're right it's it's when there's a phrase that exists to describe something and he mangles it all around there's no need for that but just when every line out of his mouth 
is kind of like a mangled Eugenism and it doesn't make sense. I I don't like it. And I didn't like Eugene at all in this episode. Can you imagine if you put Eugene and Jadis in the same room and made them have a conversation? They'd never, there'd be no way to understand (laughs) what was going on. That's the problem. And that's a really good example. Actually, you, you put those two in the same scene and you have them talk the way they talk. You wouldn't be able to follow it. And that says it all. I think I've met people like that. Like every, everybody you meet, there's really, uh, generally speaking, there's some common ground. Your realities intersect at some point. You have something in common where you can have a conversation. Every once in a while in my life, I've met a person or two where my reality did not intersect theirs at all. There's nothing I can say to explain my point of view. And there's nothing they could say to explain their point of view. Cause I just didn't get it. And they just didn't get me. There was just no common ground for reality. Whereas I think that if we had, we have Eugene's reality and we have Jadis's reality, if they got in the same room at the same time, they would both be talking and they'd just be confused by each other. And so would you and me and everybody else as viewers. Uh, so yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that, but I think it's a really good point. I think it'd be fun. I think I want to see that. I want to see that and I want to see it go completely awful. Yeah. And I, and I think it would. So, yeah. And the third thing I wanted to mention was that when, uh, Negan goes up and hand, puts out his hand, he puts it out like he's supposed to kiss the hand. Like that's what, uh, you know, the Pope would do or the queen would do, or somebody who wanted you to kiss their ring. Yep. He put it out exactly like that. It's like, Negan, have you never tried to shake a man's hand? You don't put your hand out uh, straight out in front of you with your, your palm down. Uh, in front of them. It, no, you put your hand out like you're going to shake their fucking hand for crying out loud. Yep. Of course, Eugene went to kiss his hand. I would have went to kiss his hand, at least to mock him for putting his hand out like that, the stupid moron. If somebody <laughs> did that to me, I'd go and kiss their hand. Yeah, I agree. He puts, he just puts this lame, limp fish hand out there to, to for a handshake. It didn't make any sense. Uh, but I, that being said, I think it may have been a, a show of power, right? He wanted Eugene to think that he wanted to kiss his hand so that he could belittle him after him after for it. That's, okay. Well, that, that makes sense then. That I'm might, on board. That might be. <laughs> you won me over. In that case, fine. Uh, <laughs> I, that's what I think anyways, but no, you're right. Nobody presents their hand like that for an actual handshake, but Negan the queen says. Would. Well, but she would, no, the queen wouldn't do it for an actual handshake. The queen would do that because you're supposed to kiss the queen's hand. I don't know. You're not supposed to touch the queen. So I'm not even. But she puts her hand out like she wants you to kiss her hand or shake her hand. I'm going to shake the damn queen's hand. If she. I'm in, sorry. If she initiates it. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. But otherwise you're not supposed to touch the queen. There are etiquette and etiquette. There is etiquette and rules around that. Do you have to fall on your face and then crawl slowly towards her only using your lips? Is that. That's the protocol? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, okay. If you ever see her, try that. Yeah, well, I, I plan on it. <laughs> Good. Uh, now, just before the scene ends, Negan says he was going for a handshake, and he talks about how it is a mutual, a sign of mutual respect, and not that many people get that from him. Oh, that's because he doesn't know how. <laughs> right, because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> that's funny. All right, commercial break, and we come back, and there's Eugene in his room again, and he's fixing Tanya's stereo, and he pulls out a small speaker and appears to get an idea from it. Which uh, we will got get an to. idea. Yeah, 
Now we cut to Eugene. He's wearing a headlamp and he's searching through some kind of storage room. And he comes across the casket that Sasha was in. And we get a they quick- They brought that back? Mm-hmm. Like after the fight that they had where they had to scramble away, they brought the casket back? I guess so. But it was on the back of a flatbed truck. So I guess somebody just jumped in the truck and drove back. You know, maybe yeah, they- but then they took it off the truck and brought it back into their warehouse amongst, uh, you know, f- weapons crates. Did you notice that there were like weapons crates in that this warehouse? No, I did not. Or, you know, it could have been Christmas trees. I don't know. But they look like weapons crates. Okay. But in any and case- the they, casket that they brought back. They brought the casket back, yeah, and re-put it back in storage for the next time they need to transport a prisoner like that. Uh-huh. It's more of a prison transport casket than anything. Because it's the only one they have. That's right. Well, uh, we get a flashback of a quick one of Sasha coming out of it as a zombie. So we get Cheap to see her jump again. scare. Flashback. Come on. Still a jump scare. It could have been a cat that jumped out at Eugene. It was the same. It was, it was a little more in line with the actual plot, but it was a jump scare. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but he reaches in and he takes her iPod out of it, which is still there conveniently. Yeah, handy. We go outside. Morgan is watching Daryl drive the garbage truck. Radios to him to cut the engine because the noise will draw the walkers away from the building, which they don't want to do. Tara jumps out of the truck and Michonne and Daryl talk some more about the plan. He wants to know if she's up for it. And she tells him that she's no longer ready to do it. She says she realized that the plan has worked so far and that they should just try to continue uh, doing it and trust that it's working. So she doesn't want to deviate from the plan or from Rick's plan anymore. Smart. Yeah. She says that it's, it's not worth risking us, but Daryl says that it is for him, which is interesting. And then Michonne gets out of the truck and heads home as Tara sort of sees her walking away. So interesting there. I thought that Michonne tried to say, you know, this is going well so far. Everything we've planned has worked. Why change change it now? And uh, this is us working together as a team. But Daryl, you're not really doing that. But Daryl seems to think that's okay. Well, yeah, it's because it's, it's Daryl. <laughs> that's because it's Daryl, yeah. And he has his own reasons for revenge and what he's doing here. All right, commercial break. Here we go. Hello, guys. I am a Russian student interpreter, so I am sorry for my accent. And the name of the episode is Time for After. Enjoy. Thank you. That was Dennis in Russia. And Dennis in his email said that our podcast has helped him learn English. Awesome. So that is totally amazing. And, uh, and I'm, a, I'm a little sorry, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way we speak, I mean, <laughs> he's going to sound pretty funny if he speaks to anyone else. But uh, Okay, be warned. I make up my own words sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, be warned. Well. <laughs> and don't apologize for your accent. It was glorious. Yeah, it was just fine. Totally, totally great. Uh, all right. So we come back and Eugene is on the roof of the sanctuary and he's built a radio controlled flying audio glider basically a little thing with an rc engine and the ipod strapped to it and that tiny little speaker i guess and his plan is he's going to fly it out over the zombies and draw them away so last week jason we had a truck with 10 15 you know big giant speakers on it blasting opera music and yep. that was going to work. This week, we've got 
uh, a kite, basically, with a uh-huh. propeller, a motorized propeller on it, making noise, yep. and an iPod connected to maybe a two-inch tweeter. And that's it was gonna, a two-inch speaker, and yeah, that, or two and a half inch. And that's going to be loud enough to fly over the zombies, make enough noise, you know, over all the noise that the zombies are making, groaning and moaning down there, and lure them away. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean... <laughs> it's absolutely not going to work. Like, okay, First of all, he didn't test... We don't know that he tested the uh, aerodynamics of this flyer that he made out of uh, rulers and paper and an iPod. Maybe an umbrella and, or something. And something... Uh, he said something about 96 decibels, uh, you know, being the, vo- you know, ideal volume. Uh, let's see what 96 decibels. It's not that loud. No, it's not that loud. But I just, I don't like to pick nits and I don't expect 100% realism. But how does this shit get past writers and, and showrunners? And like, these people know that a two inch speaker and an iPod is going to make no volume at all out of outside when there are other sounds i just i don't understand i don't understand and i hated this idea so much and i'm like this is below eugene he's supposed to be a genius and this is what they come up with him to do right okay so 96 decibels is the sound of a lawnmower when you're standing next to it or a motorcycle at 25 feet well there is not a chance in hell this speaker is going to be blasting out 96 decibels no not a chance in hell so i mean not even even the even that's complete bullshit but this is, it's just so, it, it takes away from Eugene's character so much. He's supposed to be smart. He came up with this amazing idea to pour molten metal over the zombies on the fence before, which, hey, that's questionable anyways, that it would have any effect, but at least it was kind of unique. This is just like, I'm going to build a radio controlled plane out of an umbrella and put a tiny little speaker on it and, and fly it over the zombies. It, I, I can't express how dumb I thought this was. I think you're doing a fine job. All right. Well, maybe I am, it's but super dumb. Uh, not worth our effort. No, <laughs> as the audience to accept. It never worked anyway. So whatever. Well, I know. So just as he's about to start the music and launch off the ramp, he's built. <laughs> um, a voice. No, he found that because that piece of wood looked pretty old, and I don't think he, you know milled the uh, the rails and then glued it on there and then weathered it so it looked old all right whatever just assume he found it next to the coffin whatever there's there's a there's a casket sorry yeah went through the whole thing casket it was a casket it was yes so he found a launch ramp anyways he's about to turn it on and launch and then a voice tells him to not turn around so sorry i was on mute there which is funny because i was watching this with captions on yeah and it said dwight Oh, and the captions Dwight <laughs> said. So I was like, okay, well, surprise. I think that was supposed to be uh, uh, not known to us at this time. I mean, I guess you're supposed to recognize the voice, but you're right. We're not, we don't see the person say it. So if you're not sure, you wouldn't know. We cut over to Terrell, Terrell, Tara, Daryl. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Morgan executing their plan. They're on radios with each other, basically saying they're ready to go. And then we're right back to Eugene. And it's revealed at this point that Dwight has a gun pointed at him. Uh, he, Dwight tells him to get up and back away from the glider. Eugene says that he's trying to save people. And if he kills him, he's killing a lot of people. So that's that. Now, Dwight admits that he's working with Eugene's old friends to get rid of Negan. And this is one of the times when Eugene says they're nothing more than traveling companions. 
and Eugene realizes that he has two choices. Number one, not launch and get executed by Negan, probably, or launch and take a chance that Dwight will shoot him. Um, and he decides that he's going to start the music and launches the glider. Hooray! Hooray! So it flies for a few seconds and uh, Dwight shoots down the glider instead of shooting Eugene. Well, yeah, what at that point, what's he going to do? Like, he's trying to stop this event, right? So the primary objective for Dwight is to stop the event. Once the event has occurred, you know, shooting uh, Eugene is just going to be collateral damage because the mission is to stop the event. So you got to shoot down the glider. I know, but you shoot Eugene and he can't pilot the glider and it just plummets to the ground anyways. Two birds with one stone, man. Yeah, well, he hesitated. Once he was done hesitating, then the, the choice was clear. Right. Well... He shoots down the glider, and at basically the same time, we see Daryl floor the garbage truck towards the wall. We get uh, Tara shooting, I guess just laying down some cover for Daryl. Morgan is sniping saviors in the windows, although I don't think we actually see him hit anyone. We see Nobody him... hit anybody in, the, no. in this episode, we, he, as far as I know. He takes some shots, but doesn't hit anyone. Uh, Eugene hears all this and sees what's going on and takes some cover on the roof. And uh, we, this is when we see Daryl put the cinder block on the gas pedal, jumps out of the truck, and he regroups with Tara and they run away. The truck smashes into the wall, creating no hole at all, yet walkers start streaming into the apparently now broken wall. Right. Uh, inside, saviors start shooting. They're quickly overwhelmed. Many of them die. Some make it up the stairs. And uh, Eugene has run inside now and he's on one of the upper catwalks kind of looking down, watching in horror as all kinds of people are attacked and eaten. And he gets this look of just pure rage on his face, like almost like rage and confusion, you know, like he can't even process what he's seeing. Right. Uh, Now, the saviors that do make it up have killed enough zombies at the base of some of the staircases to create a blockage so no more can get up. And, uh, so I guess some of them are safe for now, but we cut to Eugene. He blasts back into the hospital bedroom where father Gabe is just storms in there in a rage and basically says that he will never rejoin them and that he will stay loyal to Negan. This is the best way for him to survive. Uh, he also says that he will not cover for anybody's U-turning loyalties. And I guess he means Dwight in this case. Uh, he finishes his rant and he just marches right out of there. You should never make absolute statements in this, uh, in either the comic or the television show of The Walking Dead. Right. Because every time you make an absolute statement, the next thing you do is break it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Rick saying we don't kill the living immediately goes exactly. and kills somebody living. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutes. Only Sith deal in absolutes. Yeah. And this guy's not a Sith. Yeah, which is funny because that was what the Emperor, or not the Emperor, but the uh, Palpatine said, only the Sith deal in absolutes. That's an absolute statement, my friend. Isn't, what does that tell you? Isn't Palpatine the Emperor? Or is for a while Emperor yes, Palpatine? Yes, but, you know, bef- you know he, he was, Palpatine was oh. the Emperor in disguise. He was not the Emperor at the time. Sorry. He was just, you know, in disguise. But then he said the Sith, only the Sith deal in absolutes. Right. It's an absolute statement, my friend. All right. Well, the, you know, confusion. <laughs> Confused. He doesn't know what he's talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Eugene marches out of there and then we cut to Eugene uh, in sort of mid-conversation with Negan. And this is one of those times where I feel like we kind of missed the beginning. You know, they turned the cameras on a little bit late, but they're talking about how it'll take 
whatever they're going to do will take a shitload of bullets. But if they can get Eugene back to his machines, he can make enough bullets. And so Negan seems to have accepted this plan that ne that Eugene has come back to him with, even though we don't know exactly what it is. I'm not missing something here, am I? I don't think so. No. So we kind of miss the details of the plan, but Negan says it's a good one. It's going to take a lot of bullets. That's right. That's They haven't told us the plan, so it works. Oh, God. I keep right? forgetting that. We, yeah. Yeah. They, they only tell you the plan when it doesn't work. So they need a plan to go right for the saviors, so they... They, they missed the beginning. We missed the beginning of it. Yeah, but we kind of knew what the plan was for Daryl and the truck. And that kind of worked. Yeah, when it shouldn't Damn have. It. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Eugene says he has one more thing to tell Negan. But just as he's about to, there's a knock at the door. The lieutenants all come in. Although I don't think Simon was there. He wasn't in this he's episode. There. No, he's, he's right there. Oh, okay. I missed him somehow. His, his glorious you know, personality just didn't shine through for some reason. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, Regina says that the dead have taken the ground floor and Negan wants to know what else Eugene has to tell him. And after exchanging a glance with Dwight, Eugene says that he can fix the intercom system, which will really help. And yeah. Negan's kind of disappointed. I drew a picture of a butterfly. Right. So he was going to rat out Dwight, but then Dwight walked in and he changed his mind. Yeah. Which is going against the statement he just made with Father Gabe. Yes, exactly. And is one of the signs that he isn't quite 100% Negan. So would you have preferred him to to rat out Dwight in this moment? I can't figure out why he hasn't ratted out Dwight. Like, why in the first place did he go to Dwight and say, if you stop your shenanigans, I'm not going to tell. Like, why? Yeah, I mean... I don't understand his motivations. If I was an actor and I'm not, I would ask the director what my motivations were. And the answer would probably be shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm with you there. Like everything that most, most things that Eugene has said and done and been through here indicate that he really is full on into this. But then there are little things like this. And I'm not saying there can't be shades of gray or two sides or struggle within his character, right? But to, to come out of that rant at Father Gabe and see the rage on his face when all the zombies came in, I feel like this would have been the moment for him to say, it was Dwight. He's doing it. Dwight would have been killed, but it, it, it feels like it would have worked. And this was the moment for him to do it, even if he was doubting himself all along. And you know what? Maybe Eugene could have doubted himself after as well. Maybe regretted doing it. But I feel like this is the moment where he would have done it. He wouldn't have backed down. Yeah, but I think they set it up to be that moment where he did back down. But I just don't know why he did. Well, fair enough. Maybe. But that, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? If, he, if, he, if there's no reason for him to not go through with it, then that's, enough. that's just, again, another kind of failure. And they're putting the the plot over the realism in a way, you know, the plot, uh, you know, plot points over story. I know, I don't know what it is. It's just, uh, they're ignoring basic motivations. Like, I don't understand his motivation. Somebody help me. Yeah. There's gotta be one, right? I mean, I mean, his, his conscience coming through saying, look, it's, this is a human being. If you say something, he's going to be 
tortured and murdered likely uh, you know is that is that why he changed his mind but i think someone in eugene's state of mind at that moment wouldn't necessarily have been thinking straight and that's why i th think it would have worked better for him to to out dwight and then regret it later rather than change his mind in the moment right well they should have explained that to us yeah like what well, he gave the pill to sasha knowing full well that she was gonna die uh, he did, did he know, did he know she was going to take it? Yeah. She asked well, she for knew, it. He knew somebody was going to take it. Somebody, you give the pill, you give a pill that kills somebody to some, for, to somebody to use, somebody's going to die. Right. Yeah. Well, right. Okay, fair enough. If he's kind of squeamish about somebody dying other than him, then, uh, you know, let us know. Yeah. Just make, make it a little more clear. Yeah. Well, we cut over to Eugene, he's in his room, and he's sitting there listening to a lot of heavy gunfire. So, you know, and he's starting to look, you know, all ragey and, and conflicted again. But the gunfire he's listening to, is this the saviors shooting their way out? Is this all the bullets they're using to clear the zombies from outside? It is, but I don't think the plan is to shoot their way out because if Eugene came to me and said the zombies are invading and they've taken over the main floor and the only way to get out is to shoot them I'd be like yeah <laughs> I thought you were smarter than this I thought you were a genius so I think the plan because and he was very upset when he went back to his room like he was you know drinking uh, took a couple of shots and was drinking that wine so he was very upset uh, and I think that kind of has to do with his squeamishness about people dying. So I think they've, sh they're shooting all the workers. But how does that help them escape? I don't know, but I think that's what's happening. Okay. Well, that didn't occur to me. I thought they were just shooting all the zombies. They're like, okay, fine. There's no other way to get out of here except use up all of our ammunition. It's too cut and dry. Yeah, I guess so. Why would he be so upset about, about them shooting the zombies? You're absolutely right. Because I think somehow they're shooting all the workers to create a plug of some kind to stop the zombies. I don't know how that gets them out of there. It just stops them from coming in. I don't know what the plan is, but I think it has to do with shooting all the workers. Interesting. See, I don't think it's clear what the plan is. All we know is that they're going to use a lot of ammo, but that's okay because then Eugene can make a lot more ammo to replace it. But who they're shooting... I don't know. And you're right. Why would he be so upset about them just shooting all the zombies? That's what they need to do anyways. Yeah. And they're already dead. So shooting the workers would be uh, much more of a plan. Now, you said earlier that you saw weapons crates in that storage place where the casket was. I did. So maybe they do have the weapons right now to do this. They were hesitate, hesitant to use them at first because they didn't want to waste it all. But then, be. then he came along and said, I can make more bullets anyways. But you're right. It doesn't quite understand why Eugene is so upset at this moment. So yeah. not, not really there unless we're missing something and you guys, uh, can, can fill us in, but you're right. Eugene was suffering pretty bad. He starts chugging the wine, kind of pukes up a bit and looks to be in rough shape, very rough shape. That's what happens when I drink wine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in I'm in rough shape. I in throw up a little bit. I'm upset. You're a sad yeah. sack. It's it's, it's bad. I, that's why I don't drink wine. All right. Well, we come back from a commercial and, uh, now we're finally back to the junkyard. So we started the episode with Rick at the junkyard and we're, we're back there now after all this, I practically forgot that that had happened at this point. Yeah. Now we're, uh, we're right up against the before, uh, 
so we can get to the after. Correct. They pull Rick out of the crate. He's still in his boxers and his hands are tied. And they, one guy sort of carries him out. They force him to kneel and they bring out one of their trademark helmeted walkers and they've got him on one of those wild animal catching poles that you man trap man catchers man catcher they use them for animals mostly though right yeah but you can catch a man with it i suppose or a zombie and jadis says it's time for after sorry she doesn't say it's because she doesn't use words like that she says time for after yeah so this is after uh, are they executing him? Is that, or did they want him to fight? No, they're executing him. I, that was why, what uh, I took from it. Why not just shoot him? Shoot him. Uh, or I mean, we, we covered this in, uh, Austin Powers. That's right. Scotty was scanning, saying, you know, I got a gun. I'll shoot him right now. Yeah. Unnecess- like, why don't we just shoot him? Unnecessarily overly complicated plan. And then when he fights, okay, so we're going to get spoiler alert on your story here, Chris. Sorry about that. But he fights with the zombie and uh, attacks the two people that are, one of them's holding him down and the other one's holding the zombie. He fights them uh, using the pole from the zombie. Uh, why don't they shoot him then? Like, oh shit, this is going sideways real fast. I got a gun. Let me just shoot him. Right. So Rick does this. I think it was pretty cool the way he used the the zombie pole against these two guys. I thought of. it was pretty cool that they coordinated this whole thing with a stuntman uh, in a helmet with a pole stuck to his head because that would have been hard to coordinate. I, I You're probably right, but um, I think it was neat. I think it was a pretty fun fight scene, to be honest. Uh, yes, I don't know why they didn't, Jadis had a gun. I don't know why she didn't just start shooting, uh, but Rick is swinging this pole around. He's he He basically takes out these two guards and at the same time manages to tear the head off the zombie, which was pretty cool, I thought. And, you know, at this point, that's when Jadis comes up. She tries to intervene with her gun, but he manages to overpower her as well. And he gets her down on the ground with the zombie's severed head, severed head very close to her face with its mouth and teeth gnashing away. Mm-hmm. Now the other scavengers have come up and they've surrounded them. They all have their guns out. But Rick yells that he's walking out of here now and all the scavengers will die. Uh, again, they could have just shot him. Like he's on, he's on, he's on top of Jadis on the ground with no protection, but nobody takes the shot. Jadis puts her arm up to signal for them to lower their weapons, at which point Rick stands up. He helps Jadis up and he, and she asks, what happens if we join you? Okay, so a couple things. Yep. Uh, You're absolutely right. Uh, The only thing that was endangering her at this time was Rick. uh, Because the zombie gnashing his teeth right next to her head uh, is lacking a body to move forward. Just a head. Just a head. You know, we talked earlier about moving, you know, slowly towards the queen using only your lips. A zombie could potentially do that if it had just a head, but... Really, uh, the head, your, your heads are very lopsided. If you if you lack the body, the head's just going to flop to the side, right? So uh-huh. it, it's hard to get your lips to the ground right. at that point. So the zombie probably, <laughs> my point is that the zombie probably isn't moving anywhere. Nope. So the only way that Jadis is in danger is if Rick moves her. So just shoot the fucker. Yep. And she's not in danger anymore. And the second problem I have with this is that you know, making deals with people who are under duress doesn't really work. 
Because they're going to say anything and do anything. They're not going to stick to their word. She's not exactly trustworthy. So why would he believe her? And why would she let him walk away? She wasn't trustworthy the last time they made a deal. And she wasn't really under duress. Now she is. And Rick is just going to go with it again. Assuming she's good for her word this time. And all because maybe, he, maybe there's, a, there's like a, a toxic, stupid cloud that has, you know, seeped out of the garbage that is making everybody around here stupid. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It It's as entertaining as I thought this scene was. It just you're right. It, it sort of doesn't make a lot of sense. And I don't I know. I only ask for one thing, one thing out of stories, television, books, movies, what have you. Mm-hmm. Internal consistency. I want everybody to have a motivation. I'd prefer to know what that is. And I would like internal consistency on what is going on. We've lacked that this episode. And, and the show has lacked that more and more lately than it used to. I hate to say it. Yeah. You know, well, um, so Jadis asks, getting back to the, the plot here, as we wrap up this episode, she asks what happens if they join him. He explains that the rest of the plan, uh, is that, they're going back to the sanctuary and he's going to kill Negan. Uh, they go through this, another weird scavenger negotiation involving supplies and Jadis sculpting Rick and things like that. And they settle. Yeah, nudity, you know, I want you to be nude in front of me. Right. Nudity, of course. Well, I don't know about that. I got a girlfriend. He's like, oh, I'm not going to touch your penis. I just want to see it so that I can make a copy of it. Right. I can always <laughs> remember what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they settle on the scavengers getting one fourth of the supplies from the sanctuary. Right. And nothing else. <laughs> no sculpting, no, you know, weird nudity or anything like that. Good. So we fade out and then fade back up to Rick and the scavengers, uh, scavengers sometime in the near future, driving up outside the sanctuary walls. Rick goes through a gate. Uh, there's a small group of walkers eating somebody who's hanging off a ladder, uh, and he he kills them. But do you think this was one of the snipers? One of the uh, one of the ox snipers who mm, were there. I, I hadn't thought of that, but maybe. Yeah, I, that's what I was thinking. Maybe uh, Rick tries the radio, but he gets no response. So I'm thinking that there are are no more snipers in the area, which is strange. Um, but I guess if the snipers were on board with Daryl's plan, they saw the plan work and they all went home. Maybe. Except for this guy. Except for this guy. He tried to climb down the ladder and got eaten at the bottom. He slipped and he got stuck and. Yeah. Probably felt pretty stupid when he died. Probably did. Yes. Rick did pull up, pick up a sniper rifle with, uh, with a silencer on it. So I assume I didn't put that together, but. Good, good thinking. Yeah. This is one of the snipers. Yeah. There you go. That's the gun that's right there. So Rick uh, gets no response on the radio. Like I said, he climbs the tower, looks through the scope and he can see the garbage truck smashed into the wall and no more walkers outside the sanctuary. So every single one of them streamed in through that, that hole and, or, or just wandered away, I guess. And we finish the episode with a trademark Andrew Lincoln eyeball close up. And it's clear to me that he's sort of equally surprised, panicked, and maybe a little pissed off all at once. Yeah. So where'd everybody go? Like, you think all the zombies went through that non-hole? I think, well, 
any that didn't go in wandered off the other way, I guess. Well, why? I don't why know. Why they wander off? Like, what was keeping them there in the first place that isn't there anymore? Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. They were all just there. And, you know, zombies kind of tend to mill around where they are unless they're attracted to something. So that's probably that that's probably why they didn't leave, but you're right. I mean, there isn't really much to attract them away. Um, I don't know. So, okay. They're all gone. They're all gone. Yeah. There's not even bodies around, so they didn't kill them all. They're just gone. They left. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. There aren't any bodies around, so they all must have gone inside. And if the sanctuary, if the saviors weren't shooting the workers and they were shooting the zombies, or maybe they were shooting both, they're all dead inside now. Maybe the plan was to draw them in and kill them a la uh, 300. Maybe. I don't know. You know, you get the, get a shield wall going, going in a, a narrow area. You could have the whole uh, Persian army uh, attack them and they'd be fine. Right. As long as you have enough ammunition to keep shooting. Right. Or spears. Or spears, in yeah. In the case of the, you know, the 300 Spartans. 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 Yes, Spartans. Sparta. This is Sparta. <laughs> I had to go back to that. There you go. All right, well, we're just going to do this before we wrap up this episode. All right, Andrew, if we could just uh, get a few title reads here. Um, we're trying something new. We're going to have the characters read the titles. So uh, this week's episode is titled Time for After. So uh, how about you just give it a shot? You know, try try to give it your own spin. All right, and Action. <laughs> It's time for after Carl. Uh, uh okay, so it uh let, it time for after no Carl. Just you can get rid of the Carl. Uh, all right, so let's try it again. All right. Three, two, one. Carl. It's time for after. Okay. Uh so it's that's not the title. Uh-huh. We said um time for after. I don't get the point of the title being time for after. Why isn't it like time after time or something? Carl. Okay, that stop saying Carl at the end of every line, please, and just in general. Um, we're not, we're, we're getting, we're going to kill Carl if you keep doing that. It's really getting annoying. So just, um, just read the title. Time for after. All right, I got this. Oh, that's Carl. Oh, shit. Thank you so much to Nathan in Ohio for that uh, take on the title read. That was fun. (laughs) That was fun. All right. Well, that's the episode, Jason. Um, I have some, some notes here about it. You may have been able to tell that I did not love this episode. There were things about it I liked, um, but... Too much of it just didn't make any sense or was kind of half-assed in a way. And there were some things about it, which I just didn't like at all. And I thought were lazy almost, you know, the, the, the lack of a hole in the wall by the garbage truck, the, the idea that he was going to fly the, that Eugene was going to fly the thing off the roof and, and lure all the zombies away with that doesn't. None of that really made any sense to me, and it really took me out of it this week. I got a three-inch speaker that I bought a little while ago. I can hook it up and try and get it to 100 decibels to see if it makes you get that loud. Sure. Uh, but even if it did, 
I mean, the sound of one lawnmower, is that going to overpower the sound of like a thousand zombies? Yeah, no. No, that's the thing. Like, even, even, if, even if it's loud, and a lawnmower is pretty loud, even if it's that loud, I don't think it's going to really do anything. I wouldn't want to have a lawnmower in bed with me running. I wouldn't be able to fall asleep at all. No, absolutely not. And you might have other issues if the lawnmower is in your bed, but hey, <laughs> uh, you know, so I've already kind of talked about how Eugene is, is speaking. Um, when I, when the only other thing I wanted to say about that is when all along and when we were first introduced to Eugene, his manner of speaking was a little bit unusual but it was toned down and somewhat believable, in my opinion. You know, you could believe that someone would speak like that, or it was slightly heightened because this is a TV show, but you could kind of buy into it. But now they've just gone off the deep end with it, and I find it sometimes hard to follow what he's saying, even, to be honest with you. What does he mean when when he says weird shit like that? So I had to go back, and uh, when he was talking... <laughs> into his uh, tape recorder about the airplane uh, and what it was supposed to do. I had to go back a couple of times to figure out what the flying Sam wise Gamgee he was talking about. <laughs> I know. And that's not good. It's not good. You need to tone it down. People tone it down, make him quirky, not ridiculous. There's a difference. Yeah. Um, and then I talked about the garbage truck hole. The, the one other thing is the Daryl, Tara, Rosita and Michonne stuff um i'm having a hard time getting on board with what daryl and tara are doing and i know they have their reasons those are two characters who were especially victimized by by negan but you could argue that everyone was they were all there when when glenn and abraham got their heads bashed in you know these two just have i mean a special reason for revenge they um, want dwight they don't want Negan. Well, I know they want Dwight. They do want Dwight, but they've got a, they've got their own reasons for, for, for wanting anything to do with, or wanting to get back at the saviors in extreme, in an extreme way. I see. Okay. Yeah. Sort of thing. But you're right. They want Dwight. Um, but my biggest problem with it all was Rosita and Michonne. What was their reason for being there? It just felt so forced. You know, they were there they their presence did not change Daryl and Tara's opinion whatsoever. It felt to me like they were there because they needed to have some screen time this first half of the season, and this was the only way they could figure out how to get them integrated into the story somehow. I see it as winners want the ball. When you know when the game is on the line, and uh, you know I can't think of a game of a sports euphemism of what kind of on the line would mean. But when the chips are down and the game is on the line, <laughs> you want to give the ball to somebody who wants the ball uh -huh. and winners want the ball. Sure. Right. They don't want to give the ball to somebody else. Like, Oh shit, there's too much pressure. You take the ball and go and do whatever you do with the ball and whatever game I'm talking about. Winners want the ball. So I'm thinking that when the chips are down, Michonne wants to be involved. She wants to take a part, uh, be a part of what's going on. And uh, Rosita, on the other hand, uh, she wanted to be a part of this up to the point where the money ran out. I'm not sure, sure exactly, but it's like, oh, we got a car over there. Just, you know, you can go home. It's like, fine, I'm going home. Fuck this shit. You know, for some reason she went home. I don't understand. But I think that Michonne was there because 
she wants like she's injured so what she wants to get there uh be in front and to help and to uh to be involved and that that that's fine for me i'm okay with that motivation alone i can see what you're saying i guess but uh, nothing comes of it I, I think is what my problem is. Like she oh, goes out to say, she goes, she leaves Alexandria saying, I just want to see, I want to see what's happening at the sanctuary. You're right. That could be motivated by, I really need to be a part of this. You know, I feel useless sitting here doing nothing. Um, and I, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm, it, it seems like a bit of a wacky bogus reason to get her out there. But then once she is out there, I feel like her role in this whole thing was to, bring Daryl back, like draw him back a little bit, maybe talk him out of doing what he's going to do or somehow influence his plan. But I don't think her character did that at all. I think she was there and they talked about it and then she turned around and went home and had no actual impact on Daryl's thinking. And I just feel like there should have been something more there. There should have been something, another reason for her to come out other than just I want to see what's going on and then turn around and go home. Well, I want to help. I don't want to just see what's going on, but you know, you've been in this situation where something's going on and you want to help and you go out and you try and help and you're completely ineffectual, but she didn't try to help. I mean, she didn't do anything. Did she, she was, she would drove for, I mean, they were in the warehouse. Yes. They, they fell ass backwards into that situation in the warehouse where they, ended up uh fighting the people that had the fat lady yeah you know but that just all sort of magically worked out luckily and then she kept going she saw sanctuary the whole time under the idea that she was considering daryl's ideas and thinking maybe he has the right plan and then she turns around and leaves and that's it and she's it's fair that she changes her mind but i for me there just needed to be more of an influence of her being there at all Okay. Uh, because she didn't change Tara's mind, which I didn't expect her to, but I thought maybe she would at least make Daryl question what he was doing. And I don't, I didn't see that. I don't think she did. I also think it would have been interesting to see Daryl turn around and be like, you know what? I believe in Rick Grimes too. And then Tara try to do it alone. I mean, that would have gone totally differently, but too late now. Tara would have turned that fucking truck around and backed into the wall. <laughs> yeah, really. She knows how to drive it. She knows how to back a truck into a wall. That's for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I think. Sure. Multiple times if necessary. Yeah. Just back up forward, reverse back forward, into reverse. the wall. You go drive forward. You back into the fucking thing again. You make a bigger hole. You drive forward. And then all the zombies are like, holy shit, there's a hole here. And then they start walking into the hole and then they all go into the hole because yep. zombies are smart and they all go exactly where you plan for them to go. Oh, they you don't go, you know, they don't just wander off and go, oh, where'd everybody go? They go, fuck, I'm following that guy because he knows where he's going. I mean, I know we're sort of screwing around here, but the, if they backed a truck in and out, the zombies would have ended up just following the truck, right? They wouldn't have well, gone Well, you got to leave the truck there. You right. back it in, then you leave, you know, you back out four or five feet and then you get out of the truck and you run like a bitch, <laughs> Right. With <laughs> sniper backup, right? Because that's the whole point of the snipers probably. I guess so. That's why Morgan was on board and the other snipers who we never saw. Yeah, except for that one guy who fell off the tower. Well, that's right. We saw that one guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyways um yeah so i did not love this episode even though i thought my favorite parts to be honest was the stuff with rick and jadis uh because i thought that was a clever fight and you just you kind of never know what's going to happen with them so i was okay with that um and what's making me kind of sad right now no i can't think of a favorite part yeah i know well what about anything with eugene like i there were some despite eugene speaking his speech patterns going off the rails um i did enjoy him sitting there with father gabe you know, that, right. that stuff. So not all of the Eugene stuff was bad in my opinion. Uh, and Help. we had Negan in small doses here and he was okay. So I thought that was fine. I didn't. That's because he was sitting down most of the time. And then the only time he stood up, he put out his hand like a crazy person. Yeah. Get it, have a handshake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was nice to see one of his wives again, Tanya. We haven't seen them in a year or something like that, or, you know, a season. Uh, so there were, there were little bits here that I didn't mind. Um, but unfortunately for the most part, I did not really enjoy this episode. I don't know if you have, uh, any stronger feelings on anything or, or any reason for me to like it anymore. Why didn't Eugene wash his friggin' thumb? He still had the paint on his thumb. Like wash your hands, dude. Yeah, in the zombie apocalypse, there's diseases. Well, they're running out of water, right? So he didn't, it's probably being rationed out. Rub them in sand. You can wash your hands effectively using sand. That's, yeah, I guess so. Well, who knows, man? Not that sand you've pooped in. Like, don't go to the kitty litter box and use <laughs> sand. I'm just like, nice, clean sand. You can clean your hands with, like, sand, and uh, you don't necessarily need water. But he still has the paint on his thumb. It's like, man, I hope you're not eating with those hands. I think it's funny that you go immediately from washing your hands with sand, but don't use sand that you've pooped in. <laughs> like, I wouldn't... <laughs> <laughs> would never even occur to me, but you know, what the hell? But you're going to use clean sand, yeah, not yeah. poopy sand. Come on, man. No, uh, I, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> All right. Uh, write in, let us know what you thought of this episode, everybody. Talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com for our feedback show later in the week. Uh, let's, again, not take a break this week and get right into our next segment, which is Holy Craps. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right, let's read through some of them here. And uh, they're not all negative, Jason, which makes me very happy. The first one comes from Sean on the internet. Sean writes, holy crap, Daryl just screwed up the plan. Or did he? I'm sure the writers can write this into an advantage for Negan somehow. But right now, I can't see the problem. And uh, the, the idea is there if you, I mean, ignore the fact that the truck didn't make a hole. But at the end of the day... Daryl let all the zombies in and made the situation worse for the saviors, it seems like. Yeah, good work, Daryl. Right? So he killed a lot of them, which is what he wanted to do, and made the situation worse. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But Christine in Northwest England writes, Holy crap, did you guys see that the plot line required that somebody finally get sick from the stench coat slash gormiflage, even though it has been used since season one, episode two? Yeah, think? well, it's got to be a priest, right? Yeah, but what do you think about the fact that no one's ever gotten sick from it until now when it's sort of convenient? I assumed that everybody's infected anyway and that there was a very low chance of uh, a higher infection. Yeah, but it's funny. I'm actually okay with this, right? Like, yes. Yeah, me too, I think. Yes, I mean, maybe smearing yourself with all this gore stew is 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 risky and it's a bad idea, but 
you know, no one's gotten sick from it before now. And now he did. Maybe he had an open wound, you know, and it, it got in there a little bit or he didn't get as much in his or he got more in his mouth than usual or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, if I was putting gore on me to smell bad, so I was taking the smelliest gore like intestines, intestine contents. Yeah, just avoid your mouth. contents. Right. Yeah, I would, I would try really hard to not eat any of it. Yeah. Maybe I mean, Father Gabe is just a complete moron. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh shit, I, I ate some of that. Is that bad? Well, and look at Negan. He didn't put any on his face. None at all. He just put it on yeah. his leather jacket. Yeah, maybe he, maybe Father Gabe wanted to smell bad on the inside. Uh, maybe. So he ate some of the intestine. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, but I, it doesn't bother me. Like of all the things, you know, that bothers me, this doesn't bother me that much for some reason, but thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm Steve. fine. I, I feel bad that Father Gabe got sick, but you know, it was bound to happen, I suppose. Right, exactly. Mike in London writes, holy crap, did you see that? Right at the end of the episode, Rick climbs the tower and looks shocked. Why? Because the saviors have all escaped. You can see Daryl's garbage truck, but there's clearly another hole in the building and vehicle tracks leading away. Negan must be on his way to Alexandria to exact his revenge would he go right there or would he go to another outpost well i think he'd probably go and and regroup somewhere before he does that but i wanted to see exactly what mike was talking about so i looked up the scene at the end before we started here tonight and i don't think there actually is another uh hole in the wall what you see is one of those doors that's raised up with stairs going up to the door on both sides and below that there's kind of a cavity underneath the little balcony that's there and i but i don't think you can get into the building through that i think it's just a a void underneath the stairs and it does kind of look like the road leads to it but i don't think that any saviors have actually left the building yet yeah uh i'm looking at the picture right now and that looks like it's kind of confusing i think i see your point uh but it also looks like something kind of plowed its way out it it does in a way. I know what you mean, but I I just don't think that they've actually left already. But if that's what they those were are, intending, I those don't are know. piles of zombies. I was wrong about no zombies being dead. There's a bunch of zombies in that uh, in that uh, what looks like they were trying to drive away. It looks like there's a couple of uh, rows like uh, furrows of zombies. Hmm. So what does that mean? I think he might be right. Oh my God. <laughs> so they're out of there already? I think they might be out of there already, which is why Rick is upset. Well, I'm glad this came up. This is confusing. Yeah. One more thing. Well, Rick was definitely upset and confused. Uh, and hey, if I don't know if they've driven out of there somehow already, then uh, I'm not quite sure of the timeline of everything. And maybe Rick is behind schedule now and, and the saviors are on their way somewhere and he's not going to be there when they arrive. Oh man, now the scavengers are going to be pissed. Oh yeah, they're going to be pissed because Rick lied to them about the plan inadvertently. Yeah, now she's going to try and shoot him again. Oh God. And then get him naked again because it's cyclical, right? Shoot him, you know, try and get him naked, then shoot him, then try and get him naked, then shoot him. Right. And try and get him naked, then shoot him. Either way. Something's going to work eventually. <laughs> yeah. One of those things. Yeah. I'm either going to have sex with them or kill them. One of the two. Uh, Justine in NorCal writes, did you see Eugene trying to kiss Negan's hand? I love this episode because I am wholly unaware of any character I love more than Eugene. 
that's fantastic, Justine. I uh, more power to you. I, I, I'm very happy that you, you love Eugene and there was a time when I did too. And maybe I'll learn to love him again someday. They just have to dial back the Eugene. They just got to dial back the Eugene a little bit. That's it. Uh, Lucy in Newmarket, UK writes, holy crap, Eugene has lovely handwriting. I did not expect that. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Yeah, that's good. Ryan on the internet. Holy crap moment has to be Eugene. His episode long, will he slash won't he betray Dwight, culminating in, in him yelling at Father Gabe and then chickening out at the last minute. Still not sure whose side he is on but his declaration that he only looks out for himself tells me he will go whichever way the wind blows. And I agree with that, but um, I agree with the fact that he only looks out for himself, but I think he's kind of burning his bridges here. He may go whichever way the wind blows, but he's not going to go back to Alexandria and everybody there. And if things keep going the way they're going here at the sanctuary... He's probably not going to have many friends there either. Although Negan seems to still be all on board with what Eugene is doing at this point. Oh yeah. They're best friends forever. They're, uh, they're going to be a, in a buddy cop movie eventually. I think. I don't know, man. If his, I don't get it. If his plan was, uh, why don't we just shoot our way out? That doesn't seem like the kind of thing Negan was going for. No, but I guess let's the, just let's dig our way out. I guess the clincher was, look, we can shoot our way out, but I can make you all the bullets you need after, so it'll be fine. Well, I guess. I can worry about the bullets later. I mean, you're thinking about saving your life. You're worried about how many bullets you have, like uh, how, having bullets afterwards. Like I, I am, I, I'm about to die and I have enough bullets to save my life, but I better not because I might need them later. Right. You're saying this is from Negan's perspective. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like if, if, if this is the way out and you have enough bullets to do it and it's the only way out, use the fucking bullets. Well, yeah, right? absolutely. Don't worry about how, you know, what I need them for later. It's like, well, you're going to have, you're going to be a dead person with a bunch of bullets then. Right. No, I, I, I hear you. And, and for me, it's just like, this is the solution they came up with. They couldn't have come up with this like two days before, although it may not have even been two days yet. Uh, but it took them this long to come up with, we'll shoot our way out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nothing creative. We're going to shoot our way out. That's what Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid did. Yeah, fine. But they probably didn't sit around trying to think of a better option for- uh, they, they didn't survive. For the, very long. <laughs> did you ever watch that movie? No. Yeah, they didn't. They, they died at the end. I'm sorry. All Spoiler. Right. Well, now <laughs> I'm- a good movie though. You should watch it anyway. Now I'm going to have to not watch it anyway. Uh, where are we? Chris in Connecticut writes, my holy crap moment is when Dwight shows up to stop Eugene. Eugene's tape recorder is still recording. So Eugene can use that against Dwight if, uh, if, if he's ever needed to. Evidence. So he's got a tape recorder and Dwight shows up and the whole conversation is recorded, I guess. Yeah. Do you think that's going to come back? Nope. (laughs) I'm not so sure either, but it's an interesting observation. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Danny in London. Holy crap, why didn't one of the snipers take Eugene out when he was on the roof? They established that Morgan had a team stationed on every side of the compound, so they would have seen Eugene. Why didn't they take him out? Especially when they saw him trying to launch a miniature kite plane. (laughs) That's because uh, the dude that was in charge of that section of the roof fell off the tower. Fell off the tower, got stuck in the ladder, and then eaten by zombies. Yeah. (laughs) All right, I guess so. That must have been it. 
otherwise just take out Eugene. I was thinking maybe the snipers don't really understand the full extent of Eugene's treachery. And they're like, oh, that's our friend. We're not just going to shoot him for no reason. I would hesitate to shoot Eugene. I would too. As one of those people, I'd at least think twice. So yeah, that could have been it. Uh, Beth in Kansas writes, holy crap, if I had to drink whatever Eugene was drinking, I would cry too. That looked like a terrible experience. I think it was just wine, but he didn't seem to enjoy it very much. Yeah, no, it looked like a terrible experience to me. I'd probably hack up a lung afterwards. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Graham on the internet writes, holy crap, the scavengers are just beatnik performance artists obsessing over sculpting Rick, drawing Rick, and turning walkers into walking abstract bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, they do seem to like putting the helmets on, on walkers which I guess prevents you from being able to stab them in the head so easily to, to kill them. So you have to fight back in other ways. Oh yeah. That's smart. Like rip that's the an head. interesting, uh, that's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of that. That's right. That's what they did with Winslow last year and this one yep. too. So kind of, kind of an interesting idea. If you're going to make someone fight a zombie, make them really just, fight them. They're just a bunch of artsy fartsies. Yeah. That's what Graham was saying. Yep. Uh, Chris in New Orleans writes, holy crap. Did you see that scavenger making art with all of his clothes on? Perhaps they only sculpt in the buff. I saw that. That's right. They sculpt naked, but they draw and illustrate fully clothed. Sketch. He was only drawing a rough sketch. Sorry, they sketch. <laughs> they sketch with clothes on, but because that's, that's not the real art, right? That's just capturing the image so that you can later on make the real art. When you're making the real art, you take your clothes off. You do it naked. Yeah. It is known. Okay. Fair enough. two more michael in london writes my holy crap is holy crap rick's annoying persistent child in the backseat routine finally paid off want to join me no want to join me no want to join me no want to join me okay just shut up i'll even agree to a fourth if you just shut up (laughs) and i'll be honest there were a few more want to join me's in the middle in uh, michael's email there (laughs) that's kind of how it went yeah Finally, Noop J on the internet writes, my holy crap moment was seeing the garbage truck smashing through and the horde of walkers coming in. The visual of the walkers silhouetted against the blue-white light coming into the dark warehouse was just awesome. And I wanted to end on that one because I knew I was pretty negative on this episode and I think it at least tells us that the cinematography was good and, you know, there were some nice shots of zombies silhouetted in light as they streamed into a building to kill all these bad people. Gotcha. That's not my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> See, there's something, there's something in there to, to like. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for writing in. That's going to do it for this week's podcast about, uh, uh, time for after. We'll be back on Thursday with much more of your feedback. Uh, so send that in to talking at gmail.com. Uh, I will, I guess we'll wrap things up here and do the, do a little update on the Amazon situation, um, after, uh, as an after hours segment here, that way, if you're not interested in it, you don't have to listen, but, uh, uh, but for those who want to stick around and hear what's going on, um, have a little bit more information. So, uh, in the meantime, though, if you want to send that feedback in, visit talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail to send us a message. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. 
You can also post comments on the posts on our site for these uh, episodes. Some people still do that, not too many, but once in a while I, uh, I pull something from there as feedback. Um, but of course, you can also always just send your comments and uh, thoughts to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I go through all that every week and get as much of it on the air as I can. So we'll be back later this week on Thursday night with our feedback show. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Okay, one last thing. Uh-huh. I went back to look at the imagery of the uh, the silhouette of the zombies breaking in after Daryl drove the truck, and I'm looking at the uh, a shot of the courtyard while uh while the truck is being driven into the wall uh that boxed area that we were looking at the uh, at the end where the uh, the listener said that uh, it looked like there was another gaping hole mm-hmm. uh that hole exists but those two furrows that i was talking about full of zombies and the the kind of gray or reddish gray scorch mark uh that is in that shot yeah is not present in this first one so something happened after the zombies got into the building that caused a bunch of zombies to die. And there are blood streaks in that, uh, that area that is similar to the blood streaks from the truck, Daryl's dump truck smashing through all the zombies and smashing into the building. So something drove out of that building, killing a bunch of zombies. Okay. So you're saying that the shot you're looking at is from the inside Looking it's at from it. the outside. Let me, uh, well, it's fine. Yeah. I, I can look it up, but it's from the outside. But what you're saying is that it's not there at that point, but yes. it is there later when Rick is looking down at it. Yes. Something has changed. <laughs> Something has changed. All right. Very, very interesting. So there could be more to that than, than we think. We'll have to see. Yeah. So that's, uh, anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Good. You checked the footage and, uh, got confirmation that something's going on something's happening all right so amazon uh i heard back everybody from the amazon associates program just minutes actually before we were recording so it was basically five days after i originally reached out to them and the short version is that they cut us off they've canceled us there is no opportunity for appeal or anything like that and our accounts closed we're done we're not going to be an amazon associate anymore fucker period um now the long version is that they did send me a little bit more information in the email and i do think some of it is rather interesting and a little bit telling in a way Uh, It starts, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it starts, you know, a specialist has reviewed your account and has stated in our previous communication, the decision to terminate your associate's account is final and not subject to appeal, blah, 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 blah. Uh, It's important that you immediately remove all Amazon content from your sites, so on and so on. Uh, Because you are not in compliance with the operating agreement, Amazon will not pay you any outstanding fees related to your account. Uh, Amazon ex- exercises its right under the terms of the operating agreement to withhold fees based on violations, which include the following, so on and so on. And um, 
Oh, it also says, you know, under the terms of our operating agreement, we may terminate your account at any time with or without cause. So they hold. Yeah, I noticed that part. They hold all the power. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. That's that's the way these things are. But the thing that gets interesting is this paragraph, which says, please note that the Amazon.com Associates program is an advertising program rather than a fundraising tool. Our goal is to have our associates refer new customers to us in return for advertising fees. Associates are not eligible for advertising fees when they ask their audience to routine, routinely place orders through their links for the purpose of supporting their website and or related activities. Um, which I find interesting because it implies that we have been in a violation of this agreement since the very beginning. That that's that's spiraling into the realm of bullshitty. It's it's obviously uh, the reason we're doing it is to support whatever endeavor that we're uh, undertaking. Yeah, right. It is not. We're not an advertising agency. We're not. Our job is not to advertise your product. Our what we're doing is trying to fundraise. Well, we that's are the whole point. And, and and by their you know by their um, uh, agreement. That's not allowed, and that's not what we are supposed to be doing. So we have essentially been in violation of this agreement since day one. But it's how can you use this program uh, that is in terms with their agreement? Well, you you have to be very careful about the way you communicate your the use of your links to your listeners or visitors or users or whatever the case may be. And the, as long as you are, as long as you are sending people there to, um, as, as customers of Amazon and not for any benefit to yourself. <laughs> so you can't tell them that you get to get money back. Is that, is that the thing? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you can't tell them. I'm not sure. I, I, you seem to be able to write reviews of products and then suggest that people go follow these particular links to purchase them at Amazon. Um, which seems to be what people are doing. But the whole reason I wanted to point this out is that if there are any other podcasters out there listening to this who use the Amazon Associates program, I would, I would watch out to be honest, because based on their wording, I think you're probably violating their agreement and, uh, let this be a learning experience to you. I think it's great that, that, uh, you know, a lot of podcasters have made some money off of this and support their podcasts, but don't use the word support through it. Um, yeah, but I would I'm just kidding. be, I would just be, I would just be careful and it's unfortunate, but I'm, uh, it's I uh, sorry. It's unfortunate that it's come to this in our case, and that it all came to light based on you know something nice we were trying to do. Uh, but it's a learning experience, and I think if there's anyone else out there listening, then I would just uh, I would just know what you're what you're a, a part of. Not that it's a bad thing, but just be you know educate yourself and and be aware of yeah. of the, sort of the the power that Amazon holds in this case and. Uh, I don't even hold that against them because it's their program and they can operate it whichever in any way they want. But I think just make sure you know what you're in with. They, I'm confused. I don't, I'm not sure how 
they would have approved us for uh, this particular program. Yeah, I don't, I don't either, frankly. I don't know how they would have. And uh, at least one listener wrote in and said that other podcasts they listen to have recently been canceled or recently been uh, cut off as well. So I wonder if Amazon is just going through a, a crackdown of of their associate accounts and anyone who is not really, really within what they see as their rules are getting cut off. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe they, because uh, this note that they sent you may or may not be part of their actual policy originally. This was a new thing that came up in whatever meetings. It's like, well, you know, these people are doing things and saying that we're, uh, you know, by clicking the link, they support, uh, you know, the Amazon will give the money to support that. And that may be construed as Amazon supporting mm-hmm. that particular podcast or endeavor. And we can't do that. So we're going to write this little blurb and use it to let them know that we're canceling their account. And we're going to use the policy that we have in place saying that we can cancel your accounts with or without cause and we're covered. And we just, uh, we yeah. can just blanket, shut all this shit down, shut that shit down and have, uh, uh, you know, not be associated or not be um, construed as supporting random podcasts on the internet. Right. I'm sure that the whole with or without cause has been in there the whole time, right? That just gives them blanket no. coverage to do anything they want. Absolutely. Whether the, the, the bit about it, it being an advertising program and not a fundraising tool has been there the whole time, I don't know. Uh, but you might be right. Maybe this is just their way of, well, we want to weed these people out. So this is what we're going to do now. This is all just, uh, speculation on our part, everybody. We have no idea exactly what was going on. And that's, to be honest, part of the problem and how we got into this whole mess in the first place. Um, but we don't know what we're doing and we don't know what's going on. Sometimes shit's going to happen. Yeah. Like Carol, remember, I have no idea what's going on in the most Wonderful in the most wonderful way. That's right. Yeah. So that's where it is. Uh, Amazon's not coming back. We are not going to be part of it anymore. If you had clicked on our links, um, feel free to use links from any other podcast or any other content supplier if you like, because ours aren't going to work anymore. Uh, but again, thank you so much to everyone that did. Thank you so much to everyone that did just because we were going to donate the money. Um, and Jason and I have some talking to do, but hopefully by Thursday or uh, worst case scenario by next week when we cover the midseason finale, we'll have a firm plan in place for how, what we're going to do regarding the donation, which is still going to happen. Um, I just want to make sure that uh, we've covered all our bases before I sort of lay it all out right here on the air. So we'll have more information on that in the coming uh, days. Um, so keep listening for that. Otherwise, I think that's all I've got for now. Holy fucking shit. Next week is the mid-season finale. Next week is the mid-season finale. That's right. And then we got a break. Jeez. Time friggin' just screams by, doesn't it? It sure does, man. It sure does. You should start listening to the new, uh, to the last J Bon and Singa book. So we can talk about that over the break. Oh, that's a good idea. I have it. I already bought it on, uh, Audible. There you go. Which we also have an affiliate program with that we haven't screwed up yet. No, because I haven't used it in a long time, <laughs> but it's out there too. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that'll be, you know, 
people want generally like to support the podcast and they want to help out a little bit. Not everyone. And I don't expect anybody to do oh, it. Oh God, no, yeah. not at all. But for those that do, um, you know, they're, they're, they're keen and, and we really, really appreciate that. So that's one of the things that we have to talk about, figure out here, how to proceed with, with that kind of stuff. And I know we have the Patreon and we have, you know, other things, but, uh, I want to try and consolidate or make it easy for everyone. So that's one of the things we're going to figure out and march on into the future. Cool. All right. See you Thursday, everybody. Bye.